Well, as you may know, I was on vacation last week and uh, was, had a little more time than I normally had, but I um, kind of kept up my habit, I suppose you might say, of praying for you. I pray for the church regularly, and um, it dawned on me one day, because I had a little extra time, as I was praying, just what an unlikely group this is. What an unusual gathering of people. I mean, I had, just in the list that I had for that day, as I was reflecting, I thought, how amazing that God would call people from all these different walks of life to Himself. That God would take people who are on hospice and those who are newly married, those who have uh, just struggling in relationships with their children while others have lost their jobs. And I just thought, here is this collection of people with all these kinds of things, and I just realized I had it wrong. I had sort of envisioned this group as the cool kids, as the ones who like have it all together and there's no problems. And I suspect that most people view church that way, as though people who are in church are the ones who have it all together. And the reality is that's completely backwards and upside down. I think it's only fair to say that you might be here this morning because you're hurting, and that's great. You're in the right place. But you might be hurting, some are hurting, because their attempt to medicate their pain is failing. Money or alcohol or isolation or sex, none of it has made us feel any better. Others are here weary and tired of trying to measure up, thinking that if we just did things a little better, if we just upset our spouse a little less or um, got the yard looking just a little nicer or got a better grade on that exam or better performance review, we'd be all set. The reality is that's, that's an exhausting way to live. Others of us have relationships that have taken out your heart. The burden of that break is more than you can bear. Others I know are burdened because of their own doing. They're aware that the problem that they face is of their own making. And it's because of their sin that they are bearing the weight of guilt and shame. And I think because of that and because we're, we don't have to be the cool kids, we need to get clear on how Jesus relates to us in the midst of our pressure and distress. Does Jesus pile on? Does Jesus add to the pressure that we already feel? Does He amplify the voices that say, you're not enough. You're not pretty enough, smart enough, rich enough. 
Is Jesus simply God's earthly representative who adds condemnation? Or is Jesus something other than that? Well, I think as you open your Bibles this morning, you'll realize that Jesus speaks to us with a different voice than the voices around us. And I think we need to hear Him this morning. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the first book in the New Testament, and we'll look at Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. Matthew 11, verse 25. And it begins like this. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The voice of Jesus is different than the voices around us because He reveals to us who God is and He invites us into His rest. Jesus shows us who God truly is And He offers to us what our hearts truly long for. And in the person of Jesus, God initiates His revelation and offers His rest. Look at verse 25. Jesus is praying. It says, at that time, Jesus declared in prayer, you might say, I thank You, Father in heaven, and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious gracious will. This prayer is Jesus' response to the condemnation that he pronounced last week. If you look up uh, a little uh, higher there in Matthew 11, he says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And you're thinking, whoa, this is awful. And I think that Jesus probably thought it was awful also. And so what Jesus does then is to pray and to make clear for us what it is that caused that woe to fall on those cities. He said, you have revealed this not to the understanding and wise, but to little children. And even in his prayer here, Jesus reveals for us not not the bar that you've got to clear in order to get right with God, but rather he tells us that the bar is way down here. 
There is no minimum bar that you have to get over. Rather, there's a maximum bar you have to make sure that you stay under. You don't get grace from God. You don't get this rest and this happiness and this satisfaction because you're somebody, but rather you get it because you're nobody. You can't be too low to receive from God, but you can be too high. So even as Jesus prays, He he makes very clear to us that God is not playing favorites. He's not partial. He's not looking at some people saying, "They're, they're the good ones. I want them on my team. But rather, He's saying, take a look at the children. The thing that you notice about children is their lack of pretense. And that is what Jesus is commending. This is the opposite of the classroom, isn't it? In the classroom, it's the brightest, the most gifted who excel. It's those who apply themselves that succeed. It's those who are confident and put themselves out there that get the good grades. And here, Jesus is telling us, it is the opposite. It is possible that you can consider yourself too smart to follow Jesus. And even as I say that, I I also probably have to say that Jesus is not making an anti-intellectual statement here. Like only those who uh, avoid education or or who aren't well-read can come. That's not what he's saying. He's he's rather reflecting on people's self-perception. Those who think they've got it together. Those who think they're too smart. Those who are too wise in their own eyes are the ones who miss it. It's not so much the capacity as it is the inclination of the heart. That's why Jesus later in the book of Matthew says, here's a little child. Unless you come like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's that inclination of the little child that Jesus invites. And then notice that in verse 26, that Jesus almost can't help himself. But he says, instead, he says, this is your gracious will. It is the will of God to invite the lowly and not the high. It is the will of God to hide things from those who are self-satisfied and reveal reveal them to those who admit they don't know. God's gracious will. You might say, well, that doesn't sound gracious to me. He shouldn't hide it from anyone. But you see, the entire the entire picture that we've gotten so far of the kingdom of heaven is for those who are poor in spirit. It's for those who are meek. It's for those who are brokenhearted and persecuted, who are mourning. And what, what Jesus is doing is saying, you're not going to get in if you think you're going to get in with power and strength and wisdom and understanding. 
you're going to get in because you're poor in spirit. And so he hides it. It's just like there's, I was in a room the other day because it was raining like it is right now. We were barbecuing under a cover. And so there was a line about this high of smoke. And if I stood straight up and walked around, I couldn't see a thing. But if I stooped down like this, then I could see everything I needed to see. And that's the way that Jesus is saying in the revelation that he is that God is giving to us, if you're tall and up and proud, you're not going to see anything. You've got to come in as a little child, and then you're going to be just fine. So Jesus thanks God that that is how God has oriented His kingdom. And then Jesus goes a step farther, and He kind of stops praying And he he continues this conversation about what it means to reveal God to people. Look at verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Father, uh, or no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So God has given to Jesus everything He wants you to know about Him. Everything that God wants you to know about Him, you can see in Jesus. Think about that. I mean, how many people in this world think that Google has everything you need to know about God? I mean, I know, I know so many people, and I, they'll say something, and I'll say, well, how did you, you, know, how did you find that? Well, I Googled it. I mean, about, I mean, not just about anything, but about God. Like, I do not think that's where you should go. I think you should go to Jesus to find out about God because that's how God has revealed Himself. He's given Jesus everything He needs to know, and they have perfect knowledge of one another such that the Father and the Son live together in such uh, intimacy and love and knowledge that what Jesus shows you is what you need to see of God. And so, Jesus ends up not only saying, I have everything you need about the Father, He says, uh, the last phrase says, anyone to whom the Son reveals the Father can know Him. Think about that. You can know God. God does not have to be a stranger to you. It just breaks my heart when people talk about God and it's clear from the way they talk about God that they don't know Him or that He's sort of a stranger to them and they don't have a familiarity and a friendship there because what Jesus has come to do is to show you the Father so that you might know who He is. And I think a lot of the time that people, the reason that people don't know the Father is because they come at it as wise and understanding rather than as children. And so Jesus reveals the Father to those who are least likely. And He offers rest to those who are least likely. Look at verses 28 through 30. Come to me all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The very first thing that you have to see there is the invitation to come to Jesus. Think about that. The thing that Jesus wants you to know about Him is that you can come. And you can come not because you're qualified, but precisely because you're not. I mean, think about that. If Jesus were a salesman and He was going to qualify His prospects, right? He would find the kind of person who could who would buy or who could afford to buy or who could afford to do what he wanted them to do. Jesus does qualify his prospects here. He said, here's a qualification. You who work and are tired and are burdened. Why would Jesus invite people like that? You see, that's not the way that we think of religion, is it? We think of religion a lot of times as adding more pressure, adding more burden. And Jesus just invites those who are working and are burdened. And He invites them to come and to take His yoke. To take His um, burden, you might say. Now, I, I think it's probably worth stopping here to just remind you that you need kind of an agricultural frame of reference to understand what he's talking about here. I mean, I grew up on a, uh, a farm. Some of you say, well, yes, you're an old man. Of course you did. But I didn't use a team of horses or oxen. I will tell you that. We had tractors, right? But if it was a previous generation and there was a team of horses or oxen, they would, be, they would be harnessed to the plow or to the wagon with a yoke. And it would be on one, there, would, there would be a place for one horse and a place for the other horse. And together they would lean into it and pull the plow or pull the wagon. And you would yoke them together. And together they would do that work. And so here Jesus invites you, if you're already tired... If you're already burdened, come and take His yoke. You're thinking, wait a minute. He says, you'll find rest for your souls. And I want to say, wait a minute. I'm tired and burdened. I don't want a yoke. I want a day off. I think I need to go put my, my, my feet up in the sun by the pool. Jesus said, that's not rest for your soul. You get rest for your soul by exchanging one yoke for another. By exchanging one burden for a different burden. You see, and that's what Jesus is inviting. Jesus is inviting you to harness yourself to Him. This promise of rest is not for someone who's religious or someone who gives a nod uh, to Jesus, but someone who comes alongside of Him. And what does He say? Learns from Him. That word learn is the word disciple. It's the same root word as disciple. 
And so what Jesus is inviting you into is, is a lifelong, essentially a lifelong march together with Jesus. So He is not only your King, but He is your companion. Now as I say that, it's very clear as you just look at this, it needs to be very clear to you that Jesus is not looking for people who can pull their weight. He's not looking for people who can carry their share or who have their act together. He's looking for those who are weary and tired. It is, it is that burden that you came in here with this morning that attracts Him to you. It is the weight of the world on your shoulders that makes Jesus reach out to you. It's the burden and the brokenness that prompts Him to issue you His invitation. Now this invitation that He offers results in rest. Now again, we think, rest, we think of rest as a passive thing. But Jesus sees it differently. He offers rest for your soul. This rest for your soul is not passive. It is what you get when you are harnessed to Jesus. The, the word, the Bible of course wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And the word that's translated rest here has the idea of peace and security, or more broadly, fundamental human well-being. It's that deep down satisfaction so that your heart is able to rest and you don't have to be on the hunt any longer. Everywhere else in the New Testament that this word is translated, it's translated refresh. So Jesus says, harness yourself to me and I will make sure you are refreshed. And so this refreshment is an offer that asks us to exchange what it is we've been searching for the places that we've been searching for Jesus. See, the thing that we have to realize is that it is built into the human condition to pursue this kind of rest, this kind of peace, this kind of happiness. All of us are searching for it. We're just searching in different places. And Jesus is saying, come, you know, sidle up to me and you will find that I will take care of that pursuit and you will have the peace that you are searching for you see every other search every other place you might look adds burdens doesn't it you say i if i just had enough money to retire if i just had this if i just had that and the thing is you get that guess what You've got more work. You've got more responsibility. You've got more pressure. And all of those things you think are going to fill your heart don't. And there's this thirst that continues to plague us 
until we come and we drink deeply at the well of salvation that Jesus offers. Now how can Jesus say, just come, yoke yourself to me, and you'll rest? How can he say that? He tells us right here. He can do it because he is gentle and lowly in heart. It is the character of Jesus to give rest. To be close to Jesus is to be close to the source of this ideal human experience. Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. It's the only place in the entire Bible where Jesus describes His heart to us. Some of you have read the book Gentle and Lowly. And if you haven't, you don't have it. We have some copies out there that you can take on your way out. And I would highly recommend that you grab one. But the author says, repent of your small thoughts of God's heart. Repent and let Him love you. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You come close to Me and you will be loved. You will find rest for your soul, that soul rest. And it will mean that your search is over. And your soul can find rest by being close to Jesus. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Verse 30. You might say his yoke is a non-yoke and his burden is a non-burden. And when you come close to Jesus, you find him not only to be your king, but to be your companion. You find Him not only your Savior, but your friend. He is not only over us, but next to us. You might say, this doesn't sound at all like the religion that I grew up with or what I have in uh, my imagination. And I have to say, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. Because we are just so prone to uh, hear the language of performance. The language of do better, try harder. That we really can't speak the language of grace. And here Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And this yoke that rests easy and this burden that isn't heavy is something that you have to grow into. I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time and I have to say, I struggle to believe that the yoke is that easy and the burden is that light. And I tend to make it harder than it needs to be. And I think the disciples that followed Jesus initially did that too. But later in their life, they understood 
In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, um, the Apostle John, who was maybe Jesus' best friend, said this. He said, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. It's just so easy to add guilt or shame or obligation or duty or pressure such that we make it heavy. I suppose the easiest way to think about this, again, thinking about being a little child, right? Thinking about being someone who isn't the one who's going to actually do the work or solve the problem. Um, Some of you have worked with children before. And you have a project and your child wants to help, right? Those of you that have children who want to help know that that's not always a good thing. Because, yeah, they're going to help you. Okay, I have to do this, right? And guess what? That's what Jesus has to do too, right? You're going to help me, aren't you? But yeah, they're going to help you. And what does that mean? That means you still grab the middle of the board and they're on the end. And they carry the end, but you're carrying the middle of the board, right? It means that they have a little rake. And they go around and then when they're done, the leaves are still all over the place. And you have to go rake them all up. Even though they help, you still have to be the one that does the work, right? That's the kind of relationship that we need to see that we have with Jesus. This, this yoke, this work, this burden is just like that. Yeah, he'll say, come on. Come help me. Here, grab my rake. And he'll do all the work. So the burden isn't heavy in the... Um, Yoke is light. Now, I probably, I mean, words fail me, really, to make this sweet enough. To make this just good news enough. Because the, the fact that, that Jesus will invite you in to do basically nothing while He does all the work, but you get to be close to Him. You get to learn from Him. You get rest for your soul. I can't make that good enough, really. And I I think it's possible that somebody could say, well, yes, but that's Jesus. That's not God. I know the God of the Old Testament is harsh and full of wrath. And you read your Bible and somehow... and And I think we hear that all over. We hear that... Uh, on Twitter or somewhere else that God is harsh and we, in, in a simple statement like that, makes us say, oh, well, it must be true. Like the God of the Old Testament is one way, but the God of the New Testament with Jesus is different. They're the same. Jesus already said that, right? He already said, I'm revealing the Father. He already said, we're, uh, He knows me and I know Him. And we're together in this. This is what we're doing. He already said that. This morning, as I was uh, 
getting up and getting ready to go, I was reading my Bible, and my Bible reading this morning, I was in Isaiah chapter 57, which is um, considered that kind of the white pages of my Bible, whether I don't read that often, only when my reading program takes me through it, right? And Isaiah 57, verse 15 says this, For thus, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I think, okay, yeah, that's the God I know, right, of the Old Testament. Ooh, look out. I dwell in a high and holy place. And we cower. And then he says, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see what Jesus is doing when Jesus is here saying, Come, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying, I'm revealing to you who God is. He is holy and He dwells with those who are humble and contrite. And so this morning, the revelation of the Father is this. The revelation of the Father is that He is very interested in you coming to Him. He, he wants you to come. He reveals Himself to you as a little child. He, he's not interested in those who are, who are wise in their own eyes. He's not interested in those who are um, you know, uppity, who are sure of themselves coming. He's interested in the broken and the downcast coming. And if that's you, come. Because the invitation of Jesus is that you can find rest for your soul with Him. Exchange the yoke of self-advancement or self-assurance or moral performance for the yoke of Jesus. Find Him to be not only your King, but your companion, your Lord and your friend. His heart is one that offers you to come and join Him and to learn from Him without condemnation. He will give you rest for your soul. So will you come to Jesus? That's the question. Will you come today and will you keep coming? Because that's where your soul finds rest. Let's pray. Oh, great God and Father, thank You that You have revealed Yourself in the person of Jesus. That You have revealed Yourself as one who is gentle and lowly, who offers rest for our souls. I, I just pray, Father, for each person here. We have all come in here with different things. We all have different needs and expectations and hurts and burdens. I pray that we will come to Jesus and make an exchange. Would you draw us close? May we, in the words of that hymn, arise and go to Jesus, confident that you will embrace us. And I ask this in his name. Amen.